Thank you, Crystal. And thank you, your accompanists. That was, they did an excellent job, too. <laughs> uh, that's not easy. I, I, that's the old walking and chewing gum at the same time. How many think they could try to play and then sing it? I'd be... Blah. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn them to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. Um, Pastor mentioned our classes that we have on Wednesday night. Uh, I'm not advertising my class, but it's just my class is about Christian evidence, uh, evidence of uh, that you can have confidence that Christianity is true and the Bible is true. And uh, in fact, on this next session, what we're going to talk about tonight is it's going to not be exactly the same as what I'm going to share tonight. It's something that we share the Bible does tell us to have answers for every man to ask us the reason the hope is in us with meekness and fear. And so this is a question that is probably come up. Maybe you've run into it. Maybe you've personally run into this. And it has to do with the storm. How, how did everybody do with the storm? Uh, some, some did real good. Uh, I, I, the Lord was, was blessed. I, I had a bunch of sticks and leaves in my yard. I, I never knew there were so many sticks in the world. That is in my yard. But when we look at that, and especially look down south of us, there's a lot of suffering uh, that's going on down there. There are people that lost their life. Many people think, well, that's, you know, there's some innocent people that were killed or harmed. They lost their property. Couldn't God have stopped that storm if he wanted to? Um, maybe they asked a the question, why did it hit there and not here? And really to sum that all up, it's the question, and why is there suffering in the world? A lot of people have, uh, over the course of history, and we're not going to give you a list of them, but maybe even know somebody, because of some suffering or tragedy they had in their life, they rejected Christianity. Maybe they never were a believer. I, I don't know, but they're angry. Why did you let my loved one die? I thought you were a God of love. Why did you let the storm blow my house away? Why did, why did all these things? Why is there suffering in the world? And it's an important question. It may be for you personally, but probably somebody you know has that attitude because of something. And uh, we're going to kind of tie it into the, the storm that just happened down there. Now, I want to ask you something ahead of time. I'm probably going to say hurricane wrong. Just because I'm a hick, all right? And I, I, I'm gonna, I don't know what will come out if I say it more than once. So y'all bear with me on that, okay? Um, but what is the answer to that? And the answer is, I don't know. But God does. But God does. Look, and um, well, here's the problem. Let's just say what the problem is. People that struggle with this question, uh, uh, it's not wrong to have questions. It's not wrong to not understand you know why why does god do that why is there suffering and and that's not the problem the problem is we want to try to tell god what is right this happened god and i don't i don't think that's you did what was right uh, or maybe they have the attitude god this is what you should do this is what you should have done and, and that is a, a problem uh, essentially, they're saying, I, I want you to be God like I want you to be God. And that's what people many times do. Look here in Isaiah chapter 40. Look in uh, verse 13. It's very interesting. Isaiah 40, verse 13. 
says, Who have directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, have taught him? In other words, which one of you have given advice to God? Has God called you up looking for advice? Did God say, I, I need your help in deciding what's right to do? I, I, I need that. And uh, look at verse 14. With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding? It's asked as a question, but the answer is obvious. Not man. You know, God doesn't need our advice. He doesn't need direction from us. He doesn't need uh, help on, uh, to decide what he should do because he is God. Now, in fact, we need to be careful. Look over just a few pages to chapter 45, chapter 45 of Isaiah, chapter 45. And just this first part of verse 9 should get us to wake up. When we start getting angry with God, why did this happen? Why is there suffering? Why did this storm come through and destroy so much and hurt so many people? And verse 9 says, Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, What makest thou or thy work? He hath no hands. In other words, it's like the, the, he's comparing it to a, a Somebody making pots out of clay, and he's forming it, the person's forming it, and the clay all of a sudden saying, wait a minute, baby, you're not doing what you should. It shouldn't go that way. It shouldn't happen that way. And we need to be careful and realize, um, well, there's something we need to remember. And, and if you'll remember, this will be a help to you. By definition, what God does is right. He would not be God if what he did wasn't right. Uh, turn to Job. Job, quickly. I'm going to turn to a lot of verses. And um, we don't have much time tonight. I'm probably going to have to stop turning to verses. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't get a little handout. That would have been very good for you to have a handout. Uh, but I had, to, I had lots of things going on with the storm, too. And, 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 and praise the Lord, they were a waste of time <laughs> for a lot of stuff. But Job... Job chapter, Job, excuse me, Job chapter 1, Job chapter 1. Yeah, everybody remember what happened to Job, right? It's, um, a, lot, a lot of bad things happened. He lost all his property, in a sense, his homes. All his children were killed. And I love what he says in Job 1, verse 21, and said, this is Job, said, Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. We need to be careful about charging God foolishly and realize what he does is right, whether we understand it or not, because he is God. It's not, uh, we're not the judge of what's right and what's wrong. God is. And we need, and we're going to see in a minute, what we need to do about that. Um, so what he does is right. And we, we need to say, well, God, I, I like Job. Hey, God, I, I, do you think Job understood why that happened to him completely? No. Do you think he liked it? No. I'm sure he didn't like it. I wouldn't want, all, you know, my children to all be killed and my houses all get blown down. But he said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. 
And, and that's the key issue. Turn to Proverbs chapter 30, if you would. Proverbs chapter 30. I quickly want to look at a verse there that everybody knows this verse. Proverbs chapter, not 30, but Proverbs chapter 3. I don't know why I said 30. Proverbs chapter 3. God knows what is best, and we need to learn to trust him. By the way, that's easy preaching, hard living. If my house blew over, that, that would be hard. If my loved ones got killed by a storm, that suffering would be hard for me to understand. You know, really, when you talk about suffering, the, the answer is provided. And we're going to look at some answers in God's word tonight. But you know what validates what God has to say about suffering in his word is that he rose from the dead. That's the crowning proof of Christianity, the crowning proof that we can be confident that the Bible is true, that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And so uh, let, let's consider this question. Do I trust God? Or will I trust God? Proverbs 3, verse uh, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And notice this key here, And lean not unto thine own understanding. That's exactly what happens when we begin to question, why is there suffering? Uh, again, it's not an issue of trying to understand it or, or, or even liking it or not liking it. It's, I, I don't understand it, but I know God does. And I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. God has our best in mind. I, I, how many has ever heard... How many here has ever heard of Donald Trump? Have you ever heard of him? I don't think he's ever in the news. Nobody ever cares about him. But often what people will say about him, oh, I hate the way he talks and how he acts, but I love his policies. Have you ever anybody heard they say that? Okay, I'm not, I'm not endorsing Donald Trump or anything, but that's what you hear commonly said. But you know, that's very similar to how our attitude ought to be about God. I don't understand why God allows suffering, but I like his policies. His policy, he has the best for us in mind. And we always need to keep that, keep that in mind. In this verse, Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Don't lean on your own understanding because we're not always going to understand. I'm going to share a few things out of the, the, from the Bible tonight. And... Um, we're not always going to understand all of them. But we can trust God about them. Because he does know what's best for us and for men. Uh, the Bible says, don't walk by sight, but walk by faith. You know, there's a verse, Genesis 18, verse 25. It says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now, that's asked as a question. But again, the answer is obvious. Yes. By definition, what God does is always right it is always right whether we understand it or not and the key part of this look at verse 6 and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall what direct thy paths you, you, you know it's hard to understand why suffering happens sometime but if we'll trust God even though we don't understand he's going to give us peace about the situation he will direct our our paths many people allow their whole life to be wrecked because they don't understand why some suffering or why some, something bad happens and, and it just wrecks their life. 
wrecks their life and causes them to go in a direction instead of like, hey, I, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust God. Turn to Deuteronomy 29, and we need to move on quickly tonight. Deuteronomy 29. Now, if you haven't been coming on Wednesday night, if you come on Wednesday night uh, to my class, I have notes so that you can fill in. So some of what I'm sharing tonight, you, you'll hear again maybe this Wednesday if I get to them on Wednesday. Uh, what we're talking about Wednesday, we're, we're going to briefly talk about how we you know, know that there is a God, just some basic proofs. But what people often do is they want to attack God's character. If I can find something wrong with God's character, then I don't have to listen to what he has to say. I don't have to believe in him. I don't have to worry about what the Bible says. So they will come up with some flaws they think in God's character, like, you know, this question. Why is there evil and suffering in the world? Why is there suffering? And the, the Bible has an answer, but it's interesting. Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, The secret things belong unto uh, to the Lord, our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Basically, this is what this verse is saying. God doesn't tell us everything he knows. But he tells us what we do need to know. Amen. He doesn't tell us everything he knows. You know, God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. All those things, are, uh, th those are all about God. We are not, but he is. It, it, we wouldn't be able to comprehend if he told us everything that he knows. He knows the future before it even happens. And so he doesn't tell us everything that he knows, but he does tell us some things that we need to know. And the Bible has some answers to why there is suffering. Now, as we share these tonight, you may not like some of the answers. But my challenge to you tonight is, will you trust God? Will you trust God and what he says in his word? So let's look at some of those answers. Now, there are some false ideas on why there's suffering. Some people believe in something called dualism. I mean, there's two gods. And one's, one is good, and the other one is evil. And uh, sometimes the evil one wins out, and the bad things happen, and the good God, sometimes he wins out. Uh, what does the Bible say? The Bible says there's only one God. If you're taking notes, we don't have time to turn there. Isaiah 43, verses 10 and 11. Isaiah 43, 10, 11. That's a popular verse. It's the verse that the Jehovah Witnesses get their name from. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, the verse says. Oh, that, that's, that's us. And they need to read the, both verses, and maybe they, would, they could figure some things out. But uh, So dualism. Some people believe that they're in a finite God. Basically what that means is God is not all-powerful. Yeah, sometimes you can do some stuff, but sometimes you just can't take care of it. It was a Category 4 hurricane. It's just too much for him. It was almost a Category 5, only a few miles per hour or less. And if it would have been a little bit less, maybe God could take care of it. No, God is not finite. By the way, do, can God control the weather? Yeah, we saw it. We see it a number of times in the, the Bible, don't we, in the Gospels. So what are some Bible answers to that? I have 11 minutes to tell you all these answers, so you better put your seatbelt on, all right? Here's the first one. The first one, it, it, it's, it's really hard. Men don't like to hear this, but it's true. Why, why are there hurricanes? Man's responsible. And I'm not talking about man-made climate change. 
Yeah, the ozone and everything, and it's, it's causing hurricanes. In fact, if you elect us, we'll stop all hurricanes. We can, we can stop it uh, by all the, the green energy stuff, you know, blah, 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 blah. But the, the truth of the matter is there is man-made climate change, and it's caused by man's choices. You know, God made man with a free will to choose right or wrong, to choose whether they're going to serve him or believe him or obey him or not. It didn't make people believe. What did man choose to do? Chose to, he chose to sin. Quickly, we do need to look at these two verses. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 in your New Testament. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. Romans chapter 5. You go, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Man is responsible? Yes, man is responsible. Romans 5, verse 12, a, a passage we often refer to, but it's an important one. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered to the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, quickly over just a few pages to chapter 8. Chapter 8. So man sinned. Who was the man that sinned? It was Adam. And Adam chose to sin because he sinned. His sinful nature is passed down to all other men. And we're sinners. Um, and so, uh, what is the result of that? Well, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 22. It says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. You know, Adam's sin didn't affect just people. It affected the whole creation. I, I know uh, uh, we're going to skip some verses later on, but we need to look. Genesis chapter 1, quickly. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. What was the creation like that God made? It was an interesting phrase that God used, and it was that the creation was very good. In Genesis 1.31, very first book in your Bible, Genesis 1.31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. You know what there was? There were no hurricanes. There were no tsunamis. There was no, uh, uh, um, gosh, I already forgot the word. When is it when the, the, the water washes in? Not a tidal wave. Storm surge. I got it. The storm surge. Uh, there was no storm surge. And by the way, there was no cancer, no sickness, no disease, no earthquakes. Why? Because the creation was very good. In fact, in Genesis 2, look in Genesis 2, look in verse 4. It says, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. When they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Look at verse 5. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth. And every herb of the field grew before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to, what does it say? To rain upon the earth. And there was not, uh, not a man till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Isn't that interesting? God created and it was very good. It, had, it was no rain. It wasn't. In fact, there's a, a canopy of water around the earth that shielded the earth, I think, from radiation. That's why the, the Antiluvian people lived so long, 800, 900 years, because the, the sun didn't impact them. Sin hadn't impacted their bodies. And it hadn't rained. So when Noah started saying, hey, it's going to flood and rain, they go, what are you talking about? Uh, well, if you read later on, when he made Eden in verse 10 of chapter 2, he says, 
and a river went out from Eden to water the garden. So it hadn't rained. Does it rain when the hurricane comes? Yes. Why is that? Because the creation has been cursed. The water canopy dropped down when the flood happened. And when that happened, the whole weather of the earth changed. Whose fault was that? That was man's fault. Because of the choices that God allowed man to make. And so we need to be careful about blaming God for something like this hurricane. And you can blame man. That'll really throw, if you have some unsafe friends that are really into the climate and culture, that, you know, worship in green, you know, that's their church, that's their religion. Go, you know, you're right. Man does cause climate change. It's because of sin and what man chose to do. It's a great opportunity to witness, but God has a remedy for that, and his name's Jesus. And so uh, man is responsible. Okay, what is uh, another reason why God may allow suffering? And we're really going to just kind of skip over this one, but I'm going to tell you it, and I'm going to tell you the verses that sometimes God can use suffering to teach us. If you want to write down James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, it talks about how tribulation can teach us patience. Can teach us patience. You ever, you ever suffered? Maybe you're stuck in the hospital, and it seems like forever and ever. What, what, maybe God's trying to teach you what? Some patience. If you look in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, Romans 5, 3 and 4, it talks about teaching us, giving us experience and hope. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, it's really teaching us how to have the right priorities. How Paul said, I, you know, I'm on this earth, I have some suffering right now, but I'm, I'm looking forward to something else to make eternity the priority in my life. Amen. So uh, suffering can teach us. God does that. Um, what's another reason maybe God allows suffering to happen? Is uh, Maybe it's for a future good. Maybe it's for a future good that we might not ever know or never see. Do you remember um, Moses? When Moses had to flee Egypt after he killed the Egyptian... Uh, he was in the wilderness for 40 years. I'm talking about the wilderness. He's not talking about he had a condo on the beach. He, it was tough sledding. And he probably had no, why am I here? Well, where, where did they end up being for another 40 years after they left Egypt? In the wilderness. And he was prepared. He knew what, how, to, how, how you had to do and how you had to travel through the wilderness. And so sometimes it's for a future good. Uh, the, uh, the big one is Joseph. How many remember the story of Joseph? Joseph was mistreated by his brothers, thrown in the pit, then sold into slavery, then falsely accused, then forgotten in prison. That was some suffering. And remember when his uh, brothers stood before him after their dad, Jacob, died, they said, he's going to get us now. But if you want to write down Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he said, you meant it for evil. He suffered. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good to save as much people alive. You know, if all that thing hadn't happened to Joseph and it put him where he was, Joseph's family would have starved. The people in Egypt would have starved to death and his family would have starved to death. But it was a long time, a lot of suffering that he probably didn't, he, he probably realized that when his family stood before him, his brothers 
You meant it for evil. I suffered, but God meant it for good. Sometimes it's sort of for things we can't see. I had some friends in college, had a, a child about the same time I, I my first child, um, and uh, they had a little a girl. I had a little girl, and they, uh, well, I didn't have it. Diane had it. <laughs> um, I had a little girl, and their little girl only lived about three months, and she died. And I had a lot of people trying to help them, really not saying what, you know, saying things, oh, they're not really a kid yet, or, you know, it's just uh, very tough. And, and I, I said, well, I don't know why God allowed that to happen. I do know I believe that babies are in heaven based on the book of Samuel and David's little child. But I said, I don't, I, I don't know, but maybe, maybe 10 years from now, 20 years from now, maybe 40 years from now, you're going to be somebody around the same thing happens to them. And God can use you to help them. A future good that we don't even, we don't even see. And God can do that. And so instead of going, oh, God, I don't like this. I, th- I don't understand this. You should not allow the hurricane to wipe things out like that. There's a lot of people and a lot of situations And I believe always that God knows what's best for people. And he's going to work a good in the future that we don't even see now. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12 talks about seeing through a glass darkly and then face to face. I know in part, but then I'll I'll know even also as I am known. I often share that when I preach a funeral because it basically says, you know, I think one day we'll, we'll understand when we get to heaven. You know, God was right all along. Who was I to try to question him and give him direction or give him instruction? All right. Sometimes I think God allows suffering for punishment. Oh, boy, this is what everybody's looking forward to, the punishment. God's got you will reap what you sow, Galatians 6, 7. You know, God's not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. Sometimes you don't go, well, God... You let these Christians suffer. That guy over there, he's really bad. Well, he's going to reap one day. And so sometimes it's for punishment. God will punish sin. Uh, uh, you want to write down Second Peter chapter 3. Sometimes he uses it to bring us to repentance, that verse says. Um, repentance being a change of mind. You know, we're not heading in the right direction. God's trying to get, allow some suffering to get our attention. Uh, we do need to look at this first John chapter 9. Look quickly in the New Testament, John chapter 9. John chapter 9. So sometimes, well, basically we always remember suffering like the hurricane is man's fault. Because of that sin, it impacted the whole creation. Sometimes it's to teach us. Sometimes it's for a future good. Sometimes it is for punishment. John chapter 9, we're going to see that Jesus and his disciples came across a man that was blind from birth. And as the custom was then, in verse 2, his disciples asked him, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind. They thought but somebody had to sin and God's punishing them. That's what they thought. And, you know, sometimes that might be the case, but I'd be very careful about doing that. You know, our pastor 
lost power during the storm and a tree fell in his yard. He must have some wicked stuff that he's doing and God's punishing him. Now, we shouldn't think that way. We really shouldn't. We need to be careful about that. But that is, could be a possibility for people's lives. That the, uh, I don't like the phrase, but the chickens come home to roost. Be sure your sin will find you out. And so sometimes it's for punishment, but be careful about saying that. By the way, if you look at the rest of chapter 9 there, God, uh, Jesus said, no, nah, this guy didn't sin, neither did his parents, but that God's glory, his power might be shown when he healed this, this person. Amen. And healed this person. Sometimes suffering is, there's a fancy word, vicarious. Vicarious means you suffer on behalf of someone else. What's an example of that? Well, we have war, right? There's, there's soldiers that go and, and, and sacrifice so much and suffer. Some die, some are, are, are really crippled up and wounded, and they do it for our freedoms here in the United States. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes people lose in their life to save another life. But what's the greatest example of that? Suffering vicariously. It was Jesus who suffered for us that we might have a way of going to heaven. So sometimes suffering is for that. Sometimes God can allow Christians to suffer. There's a Bible word. It's a big word. It's chastisement. When we as Christians do wrong and we won't make that right with the Lord, he's going to chasten us. Write down Hebrews 12, verse 6 and 11. Hebrews 12, verse 6 and 11. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Because he knows what sin will do to us. And God, uh, the testimony, the bad testimony that has is we're believers and we sin. And uh, we're not going to get into what, you know, some of the people lost their house down in the storm. God's obviously chasing them. They're, they're believers that lost their home. And uh, again, be very careful about that. Maybe God's just trying to teach them something. Maybe God's working some future good for them. We don't know. But God can chasten his children when we don't do what's right. Also, you ought to write this down, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 5 through 10. This talks about Paul and how he had a thorn in the flesh that God wouldn't take away. But, you know, through that, God's glory was shown. How, how God, what God did for Paul and his, and his preaching and what he did. So sometimes, as far as Christians, it can show the glory of God. And by the way, even for, I don't know if this... Uh, what we just talked about in John 9 with a man born blind, I don't know if he was a believer or not, but God's glory was shown through his life because when Jesus healed him. All right. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. So let's review a little bit. I, I've gone like 90 miles an hour, and I normally don't talk fast. Or maybe I do, I don't know. Maybe I talk fast. Maybe talk slow. Are you there, Hebrews 6? Um, let's review. Remember, by definition, what God does is right, whether we understand it or not. We need to be careful about trying to tell God what is right. Be careful about trying to make God be what we want him to be instead of let's worship him as God. And trusting him, that's the key, is to trust him. But when we think about suffering, the suffering we see from the hurricane that just happened, it's man's fault because of man's choices. It is. And uh, sometimes God allows 
suffering to teach us. In fact, I think almost every time he's trying to teach us something when suffering happens. There's something that we can learn. And God's working in our life. Sometimes it's for a future good that we cannot see. Again, I think back to Job. I, I'm sure he couldn't he didn't have no idea what, what good can come out of this. But, you know, again, God knows and we don't. So we need to trust him. We need to trust him. Sometimes suffering happens for punishment. Or, or perhaps God is chastening if it's a believer. Uh, again, we don't know that if that's for, for sure, but that is a possibility. Sometimes suffering is on behalf of someone else. Sometimes suffering happens to show God's glory and his power. But the whole issue comes down again, and I, I know this sounds simplistic, but will I trust God? When the, I see suffering happen, when I see like this hurricane happen to those people down there, I don't understand it. I th- it's horrible. It's terrible. But God is a trustworthy God. And he knows what's best. And he has a plan. And God, God I, don't, I don't see the plan. I don't, I don't really understand it. But I'm going to trust you. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews uh, chapter 6, look in verse 18. It says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. You know, when we think about suffering, what, what hope? Our hope is found in God and his word. The trustworthy God, the creator of all things, we can hope in his word. We can hope in him. Essentially, what, what I'm saying is, I will trust God. But here's, here's a really neat thing about it. Look in verse 19. It says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Hope is an anchor for our soul. When suffering happens, when we have questions about why God's done the what he's done, we can have an anchor for our souls. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. He'll give you an anchor for the soul. I don't, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe you know somebody personally that suffered to the south of us or somewhere. And, and they're struggling. And uh, maybe you're struggling. But you can have an anchor to help you through this Instead of drifting along and allowing it to discourage you and get you to quit. But you have an anchor for the soul, and that's the Lord and what he says and what he promises in your word, in his word. So let me encourage you with that tonight and challenge you again with that simple phrase, will I trust God? Will I trust God? You know, the word trust is a word that's similar to the word believe or having faith. Um, you know, that's the same thing with going to heaven. You have to trust Christ to go to heaven. That means you believe in him as the one who died to pay your sin debt. That means you're trusting him, you believe in him, you're placing your faith in him for something you can't see. That's heaven. And, and 
Will you trust God? Will you believe what he promises in his word? Why did Jesus promise? He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Hath everlasting life. And you can have it. If you don't know that, if you come here, if you're listening to us, I have a live stream or whatever, if you'll just put your trust in Christ, he will save you. And then if you'll have confidence in him and his word, even when suffering happens, there are some reasons, there are some answers. They, they still might be difficult for us to understand, but you can find an anchor for your soul. An anchor for your soul. And I, I hope that was something that could help you tonight. But it's time to close. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're going to wrap the service up again. If you're here and you don't, and you don't know for sure heaven's your home, trust Christ to save you. He'll save you if you'll believe in him. Believe means to trust, to rely upon Jesus. He is the Savior. We're not the Savior. A church is not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. And he'll save you if you'll trust in him as your only hope for heaven. Father, we um, do uh, ask your forgiveness sometimes when we try to make you be what we think you ought to be and do what we think you ought to do. But Father, help us learn to trust you. Father, help us realize that you will direct our paths if we'll just trust you. And Father, we do know that your word, though you haven't told us everything you know, but you've told us what we need to know, and you've given us some answers why there is suffering. And Father, help us be able to have that uh, answer for people who have questions. But Father, help us be ever mindful. The answer to that question doesn't save anybody. It's the gospel that will save them when they believe in Jesus as their Savior. And Lord, we just uh, thank you for that truth. Thank you that we can have an anchor and that you're an anchor or the hope we have in you and that we'll trust you and that you will direct our paths. Father, we just thank you for our time tonight. We ask, uh, thank you that we can come and worship here. Please uh, give these folks safety as they travel home tonight, Lord. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.